Hello, Blindspot fans, and welcome back to another episode of the AfterBuzz TV Blindspot After Show. We are covering Season 2, Episode 5, Condone Untidiest Thefts. We'll see you after the opening. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin! There is no better way to start an episode about the Irish mob than with a song, than with a traditional Irish song about Irish people fighting Irish people. You know, I like it. I mean, I want to just have one with me hearties and enjoy some lucky charms. I love it. Your hearties? Are you a pirate? I know, it sounded Irish in my mind when I thought of it. I only heard uh-huh. about three bars of the song before we got started today. Hey, AfterBuzz fans, <laughs> thank you for watching the Blind Spot After Show. Yep, we. <laughs> one of us grew up Irish, so this is like, oh, I know these things. Also, there's a mob. We are talking about Season 2, Episode 5, Condone Untidiest Thefts. Gabriel, how are you doing tonight? I am doing amazing. Katie, how are you? I am doing all right. Where can people find you if they want to say fun things? You know what, guys? You know, I'm always ready to talk blind spot on Twitter at Double G on TV. Thank you to the followers who gave us the answer for today's uh, title. The anagram is Condone Untidiest Thefts, which translates to Defend the Constitution. So thank you, fans. And you can find me on Twitter at Kiaje. That is K-I-A. X-E-T. We have the hashtag ABTV Blindspot. We have the live chat. That'll be up in just a moment. So if you've got something fun to say, throw it in the hashtag. Throw it in the live chat. You may well get a shout out. I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. I love this one. I think this is my favorite one of the season so far. I it mean, was, I, it was a lot of fun. Considering we're halfway through, I mean, it's a big deal. Halfway through the season? Well, well like, at we least have like we have like episodes. 10. Well, ten, they split it 10 and 10. We have that mid season break we're for the holidays. Of the week. It was like, yeah. Wait, well, uh, okay, what? it's because last when time they, they took such a long break, I felt, last time in season one between, so I was like, you know what, it, it almost felt like two seasons. Oh yeah, they took like so a month apologies. and a half last time, and we'll have to see if they do the same thing again this year, which that you is, still know. That is like forever in TV land. It kind of is, but it worked out, because they got the order and then they got the back nine, so it did. if you, it did. you're playing a game like that. So yeah, so we are, what, a quarter of the way into the season, and yep. life is already completely crazy. We have, let's talk about the O'Malley's. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about the Irish Mafia, which was essentially the be-all and end-all of the procedural part of this episode. I really liked the camera gun. I thought that was very clever. We see him, you know, very, you know, dark and predatory. He's setting up the camera. Well, he's setting up for a hit, and then we see, oh, that's how he's going to do it. That's clever. That is extremely clever, especially if it's outside and none of your stuff is getting x-rayed. You just walk up with a big uh, TV-style camera, and hey, nobody questions it. It's exactly. a big political rally. And it's Everyone's gonna, filming. And it's going to go off in a metal detector. Duh, you know. Yeah, so it, it works for an outside rally. It was a very clever way of doing things. Yeah. That's not saying we condone, you know, if you're going to become, you know, an assassin using camera guns or just saying as a device. Brilliant. Yeah, so we have a hit put out on Senator Donahue, who is doing a big uh, immigration reform rally in the middle of a park. And they're not there quick enough to stop the hit. But however, the three people that were shot didn't die. Completely non-fatal shooting. Yes, so we find out exactly why that happened, because it's like, he was supposed to be, you know, we see him setting up, this is a hitman who knows how to do his job, so it should be a kill shot, but... We found out the truth behind it, and that was very crazy. I liked the how they set that, that up hard, for us. Yeah, The truth is that it's hard to aim with a camera, you guys. No, I mean, can we zoom in on the live chat just a bit, please? Thank you. I was going to say, yeah. I don't know, I think I'm in my perfect shot. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's it's pinpoint accuracy, you guys. Always make sure you have the right frame. No, the whole thing wound up being a setup. Because they scanned the serial number on the gun that was in the camera, and it was registered to Patrick O'Malley, who was the head of the uh, Russian mob. Wrong mob, the Irish mob. You're watching too much Arrow. I have been watching a lot of Arrow, the Bratva. (laughs) But yeah, and it's registered to the head of the mob, and they bring him in, and he basically goes, do you really think I'm that big of an idiot? Which makes a lot of sense. Like, here, we're going to put a hit out. Please use this easily traceable gun in that hit. Well, I don't know. I've always heard that if the criminals were actually smart, the good guys wouldn't catch them. So, I don't know. That's how I've always seen it. I didn't actually put it out of question until they got to the, um, what is it, the law firm building. So, I actually thought, I think he's just trying to mentally mess with Weller a bit in that typical, you know, sly villain fashion that bad guys always employ. But I like how they set it up for it to not be O'Malley. I liked it. See, I I absolutely thought that it was a setup from the get-go because you don't get to be the head of a mob and then not be caught for decades by doing dumb stuff like that. By using your own gun with the serial number registered to you and it just, that that is not how, that's basically like dropping your driver's license at the crime scene. You don't do stuff like that and keep your position for decades on end. See, I originally thought that they were going to kind of do it as set up on the FBI. So like O'Malley is going to think, oh, yeah, you know, like you think I'd be that stupid. He'd point them in the direction of someone else. And then he'd use the FBI to get one of his own enemies because he was trying to do more manipulation for devious me- uh, for ah, devious methods. That's what I'm trying to get at. His, he had an ulterior motive. I thought that's where they were going to send it, but they went in a completely different direction. See, and I think if they were going to do something like that with a triple play, they would have spent more of the episode on it. This was definitely an episode that was more uh, focused on Allie and Kurt, and that was yeah. more focused on Reed and on Jane. And this was another one of those episodes where the uh, procedural part was fun. But it wasn't the strongest part of the episode. It was the framework we needed for the character bits as opposed to it being its own big thing that moves the plot along. Definitely. It was there because we needed a procedural half. No, definitely. I think we've seen with Blind Spot, obviously, some episodes do kind of really lean on the procedural and others, they like the pilot just was completely character driven. And this one was... Like we were talking about, sometimes they balance it well, that's very entertaining. Other times it doesn't feel like the popcorn, you know, like it starts to boil. It just simmers, you know, like when you have water. This one popped because on all levels, you know, the way that uh, Patterson brought up the tattoo and how they explain it, how they later got into the um, Mayfair's photo, which I know we'll talk about later. But just all those aspects and how they really bring that sense of realism on top of these characters and building them and, you know, pulling at those emotional strings. Just well-balanced episode. It really was. And for an episode where the procedural part in the long run didn't matter as much, they still made the procedural a ton of fun. Exactly. Patrick O'Malley was a great character. I had just, oh my God, watching him on screen just (laughs) throwing shade at Weller was... Some of the best parts of the episode to me. Oh, yeah. That was just hysterical. Like Sapatha said, it's like, this might be my favorite interrogation. Favorite interrogation. And this is another thing where it's one of those things, it's who you know. 
because the only person he wanted to talk to was Allie, despite Allie. the fact that she wasn't the FBI. She was a U.S. Marshal because his wife or the was it Patrick's wife his or was sister. the wife of the shooter? His sister. Thank you. Yes. Is her best friend and the sister's a teacher. She's not part of the mob. She didn't want to be part of this. Exactly. And we saw, obviously, that parallel we were supposed to draw when Kurt sees Jane going by and Allie saying, just because her family is a bunch of criminals doesn't mean she is. And, you know, the the directors and writers gave us that little, you know, wink, wink. Yeah, and once again, we have Jane using her experiences, the limited experiences that she can remember, going in and reaching out to whoever's being interrogated. And in this case, it was, look, I know you're loyal to your family. I know that you prize that, but they're not doing you any favors. When push came to shove, they ditched that loyalty and framed you. And unless you want to spend, because they knew you have six months to live, you have cancer. They knew that, you know, it was an acceptable loss on their end. So you can either spend the rest of whatever life you have in prison for a crime you didn't commit, or you can help us catch the actual people who are doing this. No, definitely. When we see that what how Jane chose to approach it, Zapata brought that up perfectly. It's like, we don't got leverage. He's going to die in six months no matter what. But Jane knew exactly what to say, how to get it done. Talked about, you know, his daughter, and obviously she's going through some kind of uh, emotional turmoil with how does she really feel about Shepard. And I think that was just, you know, showing other sides of Jane. We know that she can have that soft side, but almost really manipulate someone herself. And similar to Weller, Weller has that way of interrogating people. Jane is usually, you know, the yin to the yang. So to see her just becoming more multifaceted as an agent, I think is really fun this season. Oh, yeah. And Jane is really good with people. And that's probably why Sandstorm had her as a handler on that one case and probably on other cases. And it's why she's so good at talking with and relating to the people that they bring in interrogation on the FBI side. She's just, she has people skills. Even if she's missing a good chunk of her memory, she still has those skills. Yeah, well, when you th- what I find crazy is like, you can make the argument she's probably the second best shot at all the agents besides Weller, but she's probably the least likely to actually fire her weapon and use violence or, you know, just aggression to solve a situation. And I think that's really important to note. Oh, I disagree. I think she can bring it. You think that? Well, I mean, oh, she's yeah. least likely to. I'm not saying she can't. I'm just saying, you know, she's actually the first one usually to take another approach. That's true. That's very true. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and... Pff. Second best shot. Yeah, Weller is probably the marksmanship. They brought it up, and he shot the bottle of bleach, the Molotov cocktail. You know, courtesy Nas. I thought that was. I wrote it down. It's like they're gonna bring that up later. You know, it's important for some reason. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's why he can shoot it that well. Yeah, it was important enough to bring it up. And again, this is a show that doesn't really waste anything. I did like that we started getting Weller and Nas talking and getting along because. This is what we needed. We needed them working in tandem. We needed them calling the shots together. We needed one of them holding the other back when someone was not making the greatest decisions ever. Very true. Like, this is what we needed, and it's finally starting to develop, and it's developing very organically. Uh, Yeah, and like I said, I told you, right about now, this is when we might see Kurt Weller is usually very disciplined, starting to make some bad decisions, acting impulsively and just thinking with only with his emotions, not, you know analytically like he needs to as an agent and i like how you know 
they're keeping it true to character because if he wasn't having some kind of reaction, it wouldn't feel right. Just like yeah, with Kurt Reed, does you know. This this yeah. this is not this is not an unfamiliar wow words. Kurt has definitely done this before. He has gone off the handle when it involved Jane, and he definitely had a soft spot involving Taylor. And you know, for a good chunk of season one, we had that nice Venn diagram overlap of the two. So my unborn child is in danger. Oh yeah, he's yeah. yeah it's not as uh, you know composed as he usually is, and that's saying something. So. True. Yeah, I am not at all surprised that he acted like this. And for once, Nas making the executive decisions and saying, no, we need this, no, we need that, and going against him yeah. is exactly what we needed. Yeah, I, th- I agree. It, it's exactly what we needed. Also, I found it very interesting how his relationship with Allie developed. I'm not saying necessarily they're going to get back together, but that companionship just the place that they have in each other's lives right now is very interesting and i bring it up because i feel like that's something that if you're going to manipulate weller that is just as if anything right now that's more important to him than let's say if sandstorm wanted to get him for example grabbing jane you know usually it would be like well weller will do anything including stupid stuff to save jane well right now i would even say if sandstorm really wanted to get at jane it would, or sorry, at Weller, it would be to get Allie. And they could do that fake out now because Jane is going to, you know, you could think, well, they're going to go after Jane. No, they're going after Allie because that's how you get to Kurt Weller. That's true. And I mean, I don't think they would take out one of their own unless they found out, oh, yeah, no, she's actually really working with the FBI. Hmm. Okay. Remember, Kurt is still on the fence. Uh, He wants to believe Jane, but he knows that he can't fully trust her right now. And with everything going on with Stan, uh, Stan, Sandstorm, he has a right to think that way. And I think that's what makes this very interesting because we don't know which shot they're necessarily going to take, you know, on either side. Well, yeah, I'm I'm just saying if Sandstorm wants instant leverage, they're going to go for his kid. Definitely. They've got a mole in the FBI at this point when Allie said, oh, yeah, I have a child. It's Kurt's and told Jane. There's no way that's not getting around. True. So at this point there's probably a good chance that everyone or at least the pertinent players know about it. So now Allie's now a piece on this chessboard. Definitely. And uh, opening up the episode, you know, before we got to our first commercial break, one of the things he brought up is we don't, we didn't get any new details. Why is sense? Why has Sandstorm been following him for so long? And I thought we might get a clue, but I think they're playing that one just close to the chest right now, but I was okay with it because it's going to be, I think a piece that pays off later on, we just have to wait for it. Yeah, I feel like that is definitely part of the long game. If that's not mid-season finale territory, that's season finale territory. And I've definitely said that before, and I have been so, so wrong. I mean, it's it's television. Yeah, Tom the Vampire got shot in a random episode, and it was just like, okay, I thought you were going to last for a good long while. I guess not. It's funny, it's like, I really thought you were going to make it longer. I didn't think you'd go first. (laughs) I thought we'd have to deal with you for longer, but no, we replaced you with another white guy in the suit, and then he went down and we replaced you with another white guy in a suit. Yeah, fans. Although they've gotten away from their white guy with suit roots, so I'm having a harder time telling who's a villain. (laughs) Well, I think that helps, you know. TV show got to keep you on your toes. If you guys, after Buzz fans, you remember American Gothic, I said that cat, cat lady would die in by episode two and she made it all 13 episodes i mean it was 
That's hmm. good TV writing. You're not supposed to make it that predictable. Well, I mean, in this episode, we did have a Senator Donahue who is definitely a white guy in a suit. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't win them all. <laughs> and the real head of the Irish mob. And just, I, I, I liked that little twist. And I liked that it just came right the heck out of nowhere. I thought that was well done. Uh, it was. I almost wish they had messed with it a little bit, though. Because can you imagine, like, oh, we have to bring down a senator directly who is in charge of the Irish mob. I mean, they kind of did it inadvertently with the evidence. But it's like, imagine if they found out that information, how would they have been able to approach it? considering his position of power in politics. That would have been interesting, but like we talked about, the procedural, the way they set it up, start to finish, it made up for it. And I feel like some of the most interesting stuff are the little tidbits that never come back, like the fact that they were essentially using Snapchat because Snapchat dumps pictures, or Snapits is what they were calling it, but let's be real, it was Snapchat. Yeah dumps pictures after a couple of seconds and that they were using a code that was essentially chess moves like i thought that was great i thought that was super interesting and it's one of those things that's like that never comes up again like oh well, i mean oh, that, i liked that bit that's the fun of it though and i actually found it odd so we find out what zapata did with shadow cat from last week's episode and that she went to him but i actually like how she's becoming a little more book smart and just computer savvy because it's adding that new depth to her character if she ends up being the mole or if she has to use those skills against one of our more intellectual minded characters i think that's going to be very interesting to watch if zapata can keep up with them later on well i mean she's always been really smart she's always had she's had a mind for trivia she's had but this now she's becoming Patterson's girl who codes and all that. I mean, she wasn't there in season one, so I like this. There, it was more than once that she came up with the clue that other people were missing, that she knew an answer or knew a piece of trivia. Like, well, this is not a new development for her. True, but stronger, I think is what more I'm trying it, to get yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's... I love what she's doing this season and that we've kind of moved away from her as the one with problems and yeah. placed that burden firmly on Reed's shoulders, which I'm a little upset about. I think but what, that's life. You got to keep all the characters interesting. I think that's what they're doing very well in season two compared to season one. I mean, you mess with, the, you know, you introduce these new characters, you know, Reed dating Kurt's sister for a while. And now with this, you honestly feel like the stakes are higher for all of the agents. And maybe, depending if you're feeling it, about Roman. You don't know what's going to happen with Shepard, but you know something's going to happen that she betrays Jane. And what will that do to our protagonist? So I think that this just great pacing as far as, okay, you're keeping Borden involved, Patterson involved, Reed, Zapata, all of them, you know... If, to use a sports analogy, everyone on the team is touching the ball. And it's making like, it free-flowing. I just feel like for Reed, they took the drama and they turned it from two to like a hundred. I mean, like, you're not, you're not okay, wrong about that. that escalated really quickly. Okay. I mean, so, yeah, so I, you know what? Let's, let's talk about Reed now. Let's talk about that a little bit. I'd love I, to. Dear God, I feel so sorry for that man. And he is obviously straying. He's usually the more lawful good one. And he is definitely straying away from that because he needs these answers. Well, it's like uh, Dr. Borden said, he's going to start having, you know, issues as these emotions come up, these memories come up and, you know, those bouts of anger and frustration. And we take it to assume, you know, going forward, maybe he's having issues remembering everything that he's doing because his mind is, 
getting so conflicted with trying to repress those memories of what might have happened and obviously the reality of where he's at now in trying to remain composed as an FBI agent. I, I think, feel like it's more the not knowing that was getting to him. Like this thing could have happened and there's just a big chunk in his memory that's missing, which, hey, go talk to Jane. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about missing memory, shall we? But, yeah, I feel like it was more the not knowing than I, being completely unhinged, trying to repress it and dig it up at the same time. You could argue it's a combination. Certainly, I think that's growing, but also it's so just simple and it makes sense. And what's weird about it is just a small thing that really justifies every action that he's doing. It's not out of character. You really are feeling like, you know what? He needs to know, you know, as especially as all these things come up with Jones and he's obviously, you know, also has to deal with how does he feel about Jane and the rest of the situation, even if he's not necessarily center stage in that storyline like Kurt is. He's right there, too. And I think watching that, having that investment in Reed that the show has, I think it's just keeping everything on your toes and you want to see how is this going to play out in the big picture. True. And I mean, he did just kill a man. He so did. Well, that I mean, is going to have know, consequences. They don't show it, but it's kind of like, yeah. He did just kill a man. You're going to have to pull Let's something. Be completely real. You can't just pull a rabbit out of the hat. You got to pull out the whole forest if he isn't the killer. So I agree. Okay, walk through that I analogy. I think you mixed your metaphor a little there. But I might okay. have, but that doesn't matter because yeah. the fans are with me. But no, I think it's going to be very interesting. How does that play out? And I like how Zapata is standing by him so much. I know you're not well, a big of fan of the shipping, but I just feel like that could be something down the line. Just I like seeing how unconditionally she has his back. And I think that's one of those things that when it comes to a head, will they, you know, make a bad decision for the other? I think that's just I love it because I, I want to find out what happens with those two. I feel like it's a good partnership and a good friendship and a terrible romantic relationship like that's every tv relationship no but no i don't i don't even want them to go there i don't i don't think they click that way as people i mean you can be really good friends with someone of the opposite sex without needing to fall into bed this is true but then again that's regular that's real world common sense tv common sense doesn't follow those rules as often but i, um, I feel like the writers know their characters better than that though yeah, well I, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see but right we now will. i will agree will. that the partnership is just working it's clicking i think that it's not out of the question to say that the thing that snaps reed out of it is somehow also having to be there for Zapata down the line because right now she's the one who's got her act together he like you said he's the one falling apart this time well, yeah, I mean, this is a traumatic experience, and him, it's heavily implied that that videotape is Showed proof, him and getting that molested. all of those videotapes are that proof, and now they're completely inadmissible because he was, you know, wandering around in the house and doing things without a warrant, and then killed a guy. Yeah, I mean, you so can't... So that's going to be a legal snafu later on. Well, you can't arrest it's... a dead man anyway, so... You know. But it's going to make it worse for Reed. Yes. But it's it's very heavily implied that, yeah, that's evidence. And, yeah, that, uh, that gap in his memory is filled in now. And he caught Jones coming home and bad things occurred. 
think there were three, four belittles there. It's, I mean, it was Not tough. Good. And I also think about, well, you know, it would be very, very unfortunate if there was some kind of secret terrorist organization looking to manipulate people in the FBI. That would be really bad for Reed if that happened down the stretch. I feel like Sandstorm doesn't have their hand in this one, though. Well, they could later on, you know, if they Take really need to. Take advantage of the situation? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you could, let's say that Zapata and Reed can't make it go away on their own. Let's say Sandstorm... I don't think they'd try. Covering up a murder is kind of... Well, think about it. If Sandstorm, let's say, gets rid of it and Reed is kind of like, what are we going to do? Confess that I killed him and I go to jail? He's not going to do that, but Sandstorm now has that ammunition if they choose to do so, if the show does decide to go that way. Sandstorm doesn't know about this, though. We don't know what they know. We know that they have unless put Jane either, and there's a mole. Well, unless either Zapata or Reed are the mole, at this point, neither of them know about this murder. Neither of them know the details of this. And unless the mole is one of those two... This isn't information that Sandstorm has. I just think it's possible because of the fact that when you know you have Jane in there and she's such a vital part to the mission, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think, you know, they might be watching the entire team to figure out ways that they can control Jane. And one of those ways could be with this new situation with Reed. He, we may not know that they're watching him. I just think that could come into play later. I, I just, I think there's going to need to be more framework okay. for that to be the case. Okay. Because I don't, I don't think that Sandstorm knows about the situation as it is now. Maybe that Reed is having some trouble. Maybe that he's a little off kilter. But I don't think they really have a grasp on this particular situation unless either Zapata or Reed is the mole. It's like, true. that would be the only way to explain them having that much information on this particular situation. I agree. I will say this, you know, they we, we will find out next week exactly what they do about it. But let's say they leave for the night like we can't tell anyone and they try to come back to really hide the situation and Joan's body is gone. There's no way it's not Sandstorm. That could be anything. Yeah. Well, true. But I think that's just going to be the one that, you know what, that's that's how they choose to get it done. I'll put my money on that prediction. And I'm going to say Sandstorm's probably not going to have a hand in that pie for a good chunk of time. All right. Like, I don't think that that will be a thing that will happen. If not ever, then not for a while. I don't think it's going to be they come back and go, well, shoot, that body got up and walked away. Someone's doing a weekend at Bernie's. Like... (laughs) I doubt that that's going to be the case. Well, I guess when you think about it, they also did have a body come out of a sarcophagus last week. So, you know. Well, yeah, but that was one person on a mission. I think that given the conversation that we saw between Roman and uh, Shepard, Sandstorm has much bigger fish to fry right now. And while they may be keeping tabs on the entire team via the mole, Reed isn't the focus. Okay. It's Kurt and it's Jane. So, I, again, I doubt that they will act on it that quickly if they have that information. They're focused right. on whatever the heck their next mission is, which Roman wants to take Jane on to really make sure that she's on board. Because he's a lot smarter than he lets on. Yeah, but He's I, emotionally intelligent. He is. However, I also think that he's another one. He's more likely to make an impulsive decision that, you know, damages himself. And, you know, he... He becomes his own worst enemy. 
Oh, yeah. More likely than I think any other character on the show right now. Yeah, he and Weller are very alike in that regard. You make good decisions right up until your emotions around someone you care about get involved, and then goodbye. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to get into that when we get to predictions, because we see the teaser, you know, does mess with that, you know, idea a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, let's not get too far ahead. We also know that um, Shepard lied to Jane. Because Jane remembered a little bit about the failed mission and a doctor that saved her and this ring that the doctor was wearing. And Shepard just went, yep, you told us that she died and that you survived in the mountains for a good chunk of time and that you uh, got a ride home, that you stowed away on a cargo ship. Yeah, it turns out there's someone called Chris that they haven't told her about that she doesn't remember yet. So they're lying to her with no guarantee that she won't remember something that will disprove their lies, which is a heck of a gamble. I think that's a... Well, here's the thing. Sandstorm, they work with so many people very good at hiding, disappearing, ghosting themselves, essentially. So will we see Chris? I think quite possibly the way that uh, Roman said it. But we don't know right now. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe... We find out they're an important character that Shepard gets rid of before we really get to know them. But I think that they're going to play a bigger part going into this first half of the season. Well, and I think that it's less Chris being around than it is Chris is someone that Jane obviously knew about before she lost her memories. And Shepard concocted a story that didn't exist to erase Chris's present from this event that Jane is starting to remember. So Shepard has no guarantee that Jane won't suddenly have a flashback where Chris is there getting her home because the doctor is dead or that Chris is there with the doctor and she survived and they both got her out. Like there's no guarantee on Shepard's part that her story won't be just completely disproved by Jane's um, recovering memory. And so that's a really big gamble to take because no guarantees. She's looking at short-term gains as opposed to potential long-term consequences, which yeah. is weird for Shepard because she's a long-term consequences kind that's of That's what I was saying. You know, Shepard is a chess player. And, you know, what I mean by that is she knows she has to think a few moves ahead. Right now, Jane is very unpredictable. And I think that's why it's causing so much tension between her and Roman. So I think that it's something... More likely that it's something that Roman does, that Shepard finally takes some drastic action to get things back under control, 100% in her mind. So I don't know where they're going to take it just yet, but I do think Shepard at this point in time, she's more likely to do something big to stop Roman than to stop Jane. Point. There's there's a theory in chat that uh, Chris might be the mole. I mean, who is Chris then, though? Could be a false name. Could be That's what I was anything. thinking to say. It could be, I mean, but it could it really s- be Nas? Could it really be, you know, I mean, she seems to know everything. She's a bit of an oracle in that way. But I think, uh, I don't know. I think they're more likely to be two different characters, Chris and the Mole. But I like that theory. It's got us thinking. Yeah, I would be down for that theory because it could be a different identity. It could be a name they used in Sandstorm. It could be someone's first name that we haven't heard yet. And Chris is a gender ambiguous name. Chris Borden. So it could be... Chris Patterson. I think we got Patterson's first name at one point, but heck, if I can remember what it was. Yeah, I thought it was... I think she's always just been Patterson. I think we got it at some point. Again, I'm... Chat... 
what's Patterson's first name? I think we got it. Someone help me I out here. I always thought Patterson had like just a really nice name, like Amelia, something out of the ordinary that just suits her. I don't know. We we had to have got it because she was dating uh, David, I right. believe. I don't think David called her Patterson. No. But again, that was a good chunk of time ago, and heck, I if I can I, remember. I wish there so. was like some after show network where they had talked about Blind Spot, and we could go back and find out what it was. Do you know any shows like that? See, this is why I asked <laughs> Chat because no, I, the, because they can Google. They have Google at their fingertips. They are super helpful yeah. that way. By the way, points hashtag the patterism of the week. She's talking to Jane, and Jane asks, what are you doing? And she says, just trying to unspool space-time. That was pretty great. Yes. We need to talk about that. That is patterism of the week. Yeah, because, uh, God, what was his name? The hacker. Shadowcat. Uh, Shadowcat. I'm mixing up all of my shows at this point. Yeah, so Zapata had asked Shadowcat to take a look at the picture, and mm-hmm. he suggested, and I have it written down, Somewhere, the theory. Basically, uh, he suggested unspooling yeah. what they did. The laminar flow, which Thank is how, they, when they did the coffee analogy, you yeah. know, where you pour milk in the coffee and it changes. There's the theory that if you unwound it, you could see what it looked like before. Yeah. Just unspiraling it and lining up the pieces, which yes. is a heck of a lot, lot harder to do than it spiraling. Makes me want it, one of those so. nice lattes with the art in it. The little oh. kitties made out of foam, yeah. Exactly, the pine tree or something. Yeah, but yeah, so back to laminar flow and how they out, solved it. It was pictures of email communications and that Douglas Winter, who is essentially this universe's Edward Snowden, mm-hmm. exposed the NSA and it, it essentially got Orion shut down. Yep. They now know his location and they know that Mayfair was probably working with him at some point right. because this was in Mayfair's files and she knew this and it's email correspondence so yeah but so obviously they're feeling well did Mayfair somehow have a job in this betray us almost but then again you know why would Mayfair specifically leave it for the team to find cuz as you remember in this finale Patterson understood, like, that wasn't there. I've been to this place a lot of times, and she would have left that for us to find because we would have known that and no one else would. Yeah, well, I think Mayfair had a pretty good inkling that she was not going to make it out in one piece. Like, there were odds that she'd survive, but they were very, very low. And so she left the answers for her team to find. So at least they could know and they could move on with this and they could maybe right some of the wrongs. So I, I think that makes sense. It's that sort of, okay, this is all of my unfinished business and y'all need to know it. Here it is. Have fun. And I agree. I think that, how to put it, just what impact, they're obviously going to feel different about Mayfair, but just how much is that going to affect one of the characters? Because I feel like it's going to put them into conflict with with each other over how much do they really know their old boss because they thought they knew her completely and this is a big secret for all of them and i think one or more could act against the other if in trying to prove their point yeah i mean i'm not sure we're still working through a lot of mayfair secrets and this is a huge one and there's no way that winter isn't coming back that winter oh, is yeah. coming. All right. Yep. We went there. Game we of Thrones. Absolutely went there. Yeah. What haven't we touched on? I'm, I'm having a heck of a time reading my whiteboard. I actually my think marker we got is a just little about dead. Every, oh, the Patterson Borden, real quick. You know, that, that relationship. That was really cute. And that also looked like it was not going super well. I think that 
Patterson really likes Borden, and um, you know, you notice it is a morning after kind of deal, which I didn't expect Patterson to be that kind of girl, but okay. But um, I think it was more about uh, okay because they didn't really go on their first date yet last week. So I was like, huh. Who says, dude? Time passes between these things. Uh, all right, good point. But I could've think been, it was more. I think it was more about maybe going public that that was bugging her, and maybe she's still feeling that like, you know. Something about it being a secret is easier on her than completely saying, yeah, I have a new boyfriend after my last one died. And I think that's I what she was struggling with. I think I think she's uncertain about it because of the whole just looking in the mirror going, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. It's like, yeah, that's what you do when things are not fine. There's a whole comic about a dog sitting in a house that's on fire, and it's the, this is fine. I'm okay with events unfolding as they are. Like, no, it's not fine. Well, I mean, there's always some awkwardness when you know that you're dating essentially the office therapist. So there's got to be some kind of, you know, there's going to be some kind of awkwardness just in the, uh, what to put it, the technicalities of their relationship. I feel like this is less awkwardness and more, this is not what I signed up for. I don't like this as much as I thought it would. I feel like it's less awkward and more, huh. not sure I want to stay in this. That's so a good we'll point. So we'll see. We'll, we'll have to see. We just and got a little bit. And then if Dr. Borden is the mole and we know who he's coming after when he finally tries to take down the agency from the inside. Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I have to save that for another two minutes when we do predictions. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and actually swing into this right now. Chad, if there is anything else that you want us to cover, I know we've got a little bit of a delay, but now is a good time to do that. So, yeah, for those of you in chat who were asking, the hashtag is EBTVBlindspot, and evidently Patterson has not revealed the first name yet. So I knew it. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, and with that, I think we're about ready to swing into predictions. Yes. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Love that light show. Yeah. Oh, I so, even forgot yeah, to mention the, real quick, Allie telling Jane she's pregnant and it's Kurt's baby. That's not going to be awkward at all down the line for Jane. I think I mean, she'll gotta, figure it out. She will, but not before a little bit of awkwardness first. But no, big predictions. Uh, okay, that teaser. Did you see the teaser this time? Yes, I that did. I one, went and looked it up. I um, just want to say real quick, I called it Nas and Reed. I, I mean, we're not. I'm not saying they're going to be a full couple. They left that ambiguous, but something was going to happen. Nas and I'm glad. Nas and Reed. Sorry, Nas and uh, Weller. Sorry. Okay. I, was I like, wrote them wait down a minute, quickly. What? Sorry. I wrote these <laughs> down quickly to remember. Nas and Weller. Nas and Kurt Weller. I knew that would happen. Sorry, fans. Sorry, Katie. But yeah, that one, what happens? I'm not. Well, I don't think they're going to. We gonna... also have the bug in the office that Nas has potentially been listening in. We have. But it could be Dr. With... Borden, too, if he's the mole. Uh, but Nas, yes. had, we've seen Nas listening to Jane's sessions. So we've it's known true. this. It, it, this is dramatic irony. The audience knows the characters don't. Uh, we see trying to deal with the repercussions of Reed killing Jones. Like, that's what that's I was, not a good thing. I wrote it all together. <laughs> we have Patterson going down at one point, just agent down, agent down. And I'm like, okay. I feel like this is another one of those things where it's like, here's a really, really dramatic bit to put in the TV spot. Yeah, they're It's not... going to last for five minutes on the show. Yeah, uh, Patterson has too critical of a role to hey. go away today. No, but um, I think, yeah, that's the easiest one. They are not going to get rid of Patterson. The fans like her too much. 
What I'll uh, be interested in seeing is uh, Jane thinks that she can turn Roman to the FBI side. That is And I think point. she's right. So we'll have to see how that gets executed. I think it... I think it only goes two ways. One, she's successful in turning uh, Flippin' Rome into the FBI. The other is that in her attempt to do so, Roman finally just turns on Jane and stands fully by Shepard and says, no, Jane is no longer on our team. We have to handle this. Or he does what Jane's been doing, so sure, I'll work with the FBI, and then goes to Shepard and goes, by the way, oh, man. and does the double agent thing. We're going to need a whole diagram if that happens. That's going to be confusing. I'm down. I, diagrams are super helpful. It's, but uh, yeah, that I think that would be interesting. I don't know if Roman would think of doing something like that, but that would be just a crazy dynamic, and I would love it. I think so, and you know, if anything... If some kind of conflict does happen, I'm still waiting to see my Roman Zapata showdown. (laughs) (laughs) She will eat him alive. That's what I want to see, though. She will eat him alive. She will destroy that man. Yeah, just such an authoritative woman. I just want to see it happen. Like, oh, you think you're badass now, huh? Not going to happen. She will wreck him. Yeah. Anyway, do you have any other predictions? Any last thoughts? I'm predicting that I'm really going to like next week's episode. And I'm I'm predicting that that I'm about to say thank you to all the fans who tuned in to watch us in the live chat and watching later on YouTube. We appreciate all the comments. So thank you to Melissa Darnold on Twitter for sending us the uh, anagrams for the first five episodes. And thank you to Denora Morales on Twitter. Best show ever in AfterBuzz, and I love listening every week, even when I'm supposed to be studying. Please keep up with your homework. We will still be here afterwards, but, hey, you know. No, no judgment for doing that, school. though. Yeah, I used to do that, so no judgment. But, yes, make sure you get the A and enjoy the after show. That's how it works. Yeah, stay in school. Priorities, you guys. All right, where can the people find you? You guys can find me all the time on Twitter, on Double G on TV, and check out my profile. I did videos, interviews with Scotty Jordan. And I'm Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at Kiaxet. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I'm also on Snapchat at Kia Prime. So many shows. Z Nation on Mondays. Um, Crunch Time is starting on Mondays weekly. So we're going to be weekly up through the end of the season. Red vs. Blue is ending next week. Arrow is back. Star Wars Rebel is back on Tuesdays. Ruby will be back. Our first after show will be, I want to say, the first Thursday of November. So, so many things, you guys. Watch all of them. They're wonderful. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. See you next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.